1800s, the Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts. Welcome to Dirk Road's Circuit Riders Podcast. And my name is Doug. I'm here, as always, with Steve McVeigh from Dirt Roads Network and my cool small town vineyard. I'm excited about today. We're going to talk specifically about uh, expectations in ministry and patience. The, the precursor is we started a conversation about three podcasts ago, and it rolled into this list of things that pastors need to know, leaders need to know in their rural churches, their rural associations. So I'm going to start with this question because I think it's kind of a fun one. Most of you don't know us, but how long have you been where you are? And then how long did it take before you felt like you were effectively, are we going to use the word pastoring or effectively leadering? Leadering? Effectively leadering. From rural America, I talk good. Uh, So Steve, I'll start with you. How long and how soon? Oh, yeah, that's a, ours is an interesting story, just so you know. In 1997, so I've been there 20 years, and three years before I got there, the founding pastor who had retired there and had been their pastor for 27 years of retirement had preached right up until the day he died. He was 93 years old, and they, an interim pastor had been there for three years, had literally driven an hour and 40 minutes down on weekends to preach and everything and led the church through some great revitalization stuff. And so, to be very candid, I was seen as an answer to prayer. I mean, you know, so this, so there was a convergence of stuff, and we sort of experienced some really fast growth when I first got there. But so much of that was just God doing things. I really did not have a sense of leadership till four or five years into it. When we when we built our building, and then suddenly we're running well over two hundred and all of that kind of stuff. I really began to get it. I was still learning every day stuff about that community I did not know. I was the city kid. They showed me so much grace. But I, my entire view of leadership had to change too. So I want to say it was five or six years before I really became, I think, effective in being the one who's, who's casting vision and values and all of that kind of stuff. How about you, Mike? I don't I have no idea how long you've been here. 110 years. No, I, I, I've, uh, I've been here 2005, so this is our 16th year um, wow. we've been here. We started the church from scratch. It was a church plant. So we had myself, my wife, and my two kids who was going to the first grade and third grade and no more. That was our whole team. Not a, not a great way to start a church, but it um, was interesting. And we weren't from Chippewa Falls. We were from a town 
less about an hour away called Medford, Wisconsin. And we were thought we understood the culture and thought we knew. And I they had to teach me a lot about what made Chippewa Falls different compared to other towns right around the area. And it was interesting. It really was, there was two moments. One about year seven where I I noticed that I was not truly like an outsider per se. Hmm. But year 10 when our building burned to the ground <laughs> was the reality of it. And it sounds so weird to say out loud is the town was concerned we were not going to exist anymore. Because mm-hmm. the building had burned. And we explained that the church isn't about building and walked through all that language. In fact, the mayor called me that morning, the day of the fire, was laughing. And I said, Greg, I've known you for years. This is not funny. And he goes, well, it is a little bit because everybody on the town council is giving me a call today, worried that you're not going to stick around as a church. And I thought, okay, I guess we're part of the community now. <laughs> I mean, that was kind of like my like confirmation of confirmations. And so for me personally, just becoming that outsider and the insider, and then the last story that was the same year was someone approached me and wanted me to know if I was going to the classroom reunion. They have like a massive classroom reunion for all levels here yeah, every year out at the fairgrounds because you got to have you guys yeah. have nobody there. Right. And they wanted to know if I was going to the class reunion. And I had to awkwardly admit that I wasn't from Chippewa Falls, which I didn't want to do because they had forgotten that. Yeah. yeah. So just, admit, just an interesting observation then is where is people are getting to know us. I walked into an established church that had been there for years, had had a pastor for 27 years, uh, literally the founding pastor. You planted this church. So you, so in a way that changes the leadership dynamic too. You, from day one, anyone who came with you, you were the only pastor they knew. Like for me, I ministered to a group of people, they knew another pastor. But then as we grew, those new people only knew me as a pastor. And Doug, you're in a completely different scene. Yeah, kind of the hybrid. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we've been uh, where we are for about 21 years. So an overnight success, you know, all of a sudden, boy, look at that. I would say that the 21 years has come in phases, but we, re- we really started to feel like we were making effective uh, strides into the community when some of the leadership in the schools recognized the value of what we did. And it came at about year four. So at about year four, year five, we started to feel like others regarded us as somewhat important, but we weren't fully embraced by the community until, until we built the building that we're in currently. And that's when we became theirs. There was something to be proud of. It, it was our, you know, our shed project and our building and people would drive through and show other people, look at this building, hey, you, you should, you know, this is ours. Really, effectiveness, though, didn't come until we started cycling former students who became part of our volunteer staff, which is something unique in in rural, because if kids are not leaving, then you have an opportunity to sort of replicate the DNA generationally. And that happened probably at about year six or seven. We began to see an influx of former students who wanted to be a part of our ministry. Um, and it just deepened. So that, that that's our, you know, we felt effective right away, yeah. but the levels of effectiveness um, became deeper. And by year eight, we felt like we were making legitimate in, inroads. So if, if we had a pastor sitting here who was just moving in, yeah. you know, like coming right into a new community, what should that pastor expect in terms of, 
being the leader and what the results are, all that kind of, what should my expectations be when I walk into, I mean, is it going to double overnight because finally someone who can preach is there? I mean, how? People anyway, don't care. Surely I did. they don't care. They don't, they don't care. Yeah. Um, so pastor coming in uh, to uh, to quote Iron Man, buckle up Legolas or what did he say? Clinch up Legolas. Uh, here's Here's the bottom line. You just moved into rural America, and we move slow. Yeah. We we can outweigh you, and if you're not real, we'll figure it out, and we got lots of time because we're not going anywhere. So I think that the first thing you have to adjust is your expectations, and I think any pastor needs to do that. Um, you are not the second coming, and you are never going to preach. You're never going to preach a sermon so good that people sing hallelujah at the end, frankly, this is, this is a distinctive, and I, I do want to share this. The fact that you're a great preacher doesn't really change your dynamic as a pastor in rural America as much. They're more interested in the relationship. Hey, that's where you dive in. And then they'll forgive even bad preachers, which sometimes you go to, you go to some churches, you scratch your head, and you're like, wow, I don't even know what that was. But there seem to be a lot of people who got it, right? And, and who appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 there's a truth to that. The expectation game is you're not going to see too often the immediate turnaround. I mean, we, 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 and we hold those stories up all the time. These are cool stories. They're great. Yes. They give me hope and things. But in reality, it's that relationship, that slow go, that understanding of the difference of going to Burger King or McDonald's. Right. And by the way, when I eat that stuff, it goes down well. It's the after effects of that that make my life miserable. <laughs> so fast food only has so much value. Yeah, and yeah, nutritionally yeah. it has like zero. Right, right, yeah, right. It's when you put them in a crock pot and right. you want that slow cook. You know, I, I love that crock pot, but even a good barbecue or something, like, you're going to let that slow cook and you're going to let it yep. marinate. Yep. Yeah. And that's what you're doing is you're letting that thing marinate and letting it happen. And then understand it's not going to be tomorrow, the next week. If I had a pastor that was here right now, I'd say to him, buckle up for seven to ten years. Yeah. Buckle up for seven to ten and prepare yourself for that mindset. Yeah, yeah. You, you better have a 20-year game plan. Absolutely. You better have a 20-year game Absolutely. plan. And that doesn't mean that you can't launch with some some anticipation right. and some success. It just means that you're not going to have the same level of impact. Well, you have to ask yourself, are you willing to commit to this community? That 10-year yes. commitment level, like we think yes. we talked about last week, the 10-year commitment level matters. I'm going to give 10 years of my life for sure. I have a 20-year game plan. I have a 10-year commitment level. I see vision and values beyond that. But I'm interested in investing in the long term. That my life, what I'm going to give my life for is so worth it for this town and vice versa. That that's where the legacy is built. But the 7 to 10-year mark is so huge. You actually talk to people in businesses. They talk about small businesses and rural communities. And they will tell you 7 to 10 years before they establish their business. Right. That is, that is so discouraging because I want... I want to show up because I am the Messiah. I want to show up and this group suddenly realize how awesome I am because I'm building myself as anyway. So the crock pot analogy in, in the three to seven years, yeah. the, the key to a crock pot is setting it at the right temperature. And so in terms, because like if you just put something in a crock pot and you don't turn it on, there's no heat, there's no change. Right. If you take something and put it in a hot frying pan, you burn it. But if you put it in the crock pot 
and you have the heat turned up to the right amount, over time there's significant change. So my expectation has to be a crockpot expectation that I am turning up heat, but have, like, have you ever put something in the crock pot? It's supposed to be in there 10 hours and you go back after three hours, it's beginning to smell a little good and you're like, oh my goodness, this isn't ready. You know, yeah. this, this yeah. isn't ready yet, but I want it to be ready. Yeah. It sounds like rural ministry to me. Yeah, we just, actually, we just made two crock pot meals this week. One was a ham and one was a roast. Yeah. Uh, man, I wanted to eat it about at hour three and I had to wait till hour 10, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I forgot what your question was because I started thinking about food. Yeah, we're getting close to lunchtime. But so so here's, here's the dynamic of this. And I just, so I want to say this, like if you're listening to us today, and, and maybe you know some of the Lamont story. You've heard some of the Lamont story and how big our church got. And then we did satellite. And now we're doing, you know, we're doing church planting. We've, you know, we have this river concept and we were in outreach magazines, you know, 100 uh, exponential churches or, you know, multiplying churches. And, or we, we go to Doug and if you go to Crossroads Farm, you got this beautiful building 200 and some plus kids on a Sunday night or we're sitting here in Chippewa Falls and I'm afraid to say Chippewa. I have no idea how to say it, but here we are in this, this beautiful building that you built after the fire and it's just an ideal country church. And here I am, I'm listening. You've been here, what'd you say? 16 years. years. You bet you were there 21 years. I've been here 20 years and the pastors listening to some of them are brand new and they want those results. Can I just say to you, there's, that's not the way a crock pot works. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, you know, how many people come to you and say, I, this is what I want. I want what you have. Right. So people will come to Dawn and I and say, we want a marriage like yours. And I said, the answer is really simple. Again. Stay you know, married. <laughs> yeah, stay married, get ready, and learn how to fight. I, I don't, the truth is, there, I mean, there's some truth. Learn that, that there's a refinement process, and I come back to my theme. God is at work in you as a pastor as much or more than, than the church that you are in charge of, and you have to become that leader. You have to become the leader that's ready, and I will tell you in all truth, Steve, we ran limited numbers for the first 10 years, maybe even 12 years, and the answer, we didn't have a massive staff. The reason we didn't have it is I wasn't ready for it and God was gracious enough to not give it yes, to me. He refined me. He refined, he refined Dawn. He consistently and continues to do that. And so pastor, realize you are the work of God right now. And, yeah. and sometimes you can grow fast and it turns really unhealthy. Yeah. And, and as you take time on expectations, remember it is about God's expectations now. Yeah. And and so often I think we fall back into that trap of we hear the Lamont story or we hear this story and hear that story. And I tell people, what if this is all God gave me? Would that would that yeah. would that make it a failure? Because by the way, I, I've said this a thousand times over, the American standard of church planning and ministry, Jesus Christ is the biggest failure in the history of the world. Because at the cross, if you just go by the end of it, he didn't have like what, three people? Right. I mean he didn't. He, like, but on of it, investing in a few to affect the many is a really long-term strategy. I will make a caveat with this, Pastor. If you are moving back to your hometown, this is an anecdotal thing that I've seen across the nation, 
it seems like you can cheat that three to seven, seven to ten years. You can bring it down half or less. If you're from that town, yep. your wife's from that town, yep. or your parents still mm -hmm. live in that town, you, there's a way, that, there is a way, quote, to cheat the system, but <laughs> it, it is not, like, outside of that, it's not common. And I know, I, you know, people think I'm going crazy, but I actually think rural pastors being called to their hometowns is starting to become a thing. Right oh, now. yeah. Doug, you, you actually were going to do a promotional thing before COVID, come back home. Yeah. You know, come back home to minister. Yeah. Can I just push back on that and give you a chance to tell me about what you think of this? Yeah. The flip side of that is, is that sometimes when a pastor comes back home, you have that whole, a prophet is without honor in their hometown yeah. thing. Yeah. So, so how do you think that plays out in this? Well, I think it depends on who you were in that town. Now, I am not from the town that I, that I was from, but my wife is. Uh -huh. And the truth is, and I, I can only speak really incredibly highly of her, everybody respected her. Her, her legitimacy, I mean, seriously, um, her, her legitimacy, her adherence to her own faith, her love for her friends, the fact that yeah. she, she really lived her faith, that's what jump-started the ministry, not just that she was from there. And I think, so that was part of the explosion. We knew the people already because we'd been coming home for Christmas for a while. Right. So we, we were able to jump-start it. The flip side, and I want to jump to Mike, but the flip side of that is we did start fast. And the first event we had, we had 187 students. The first thing we ever did, it was well-conceived, well-planned. We prayed with student leaders for a year before that. Mm. And the first thing that happened as a result, crisis. Because our building wasn't big enough, and we didn't have enough donuts for that night. So crisis because of God's blessing, do you, do you want to start in, you know, in a running mode? Well, but here's what I'd say about it, too. I, I'll even flip it the other way. So two of the situations I know of were pastors that actually were really wild growing up. Right. And they came back and they said there was a transformation in their life. Yeah. And they mm -hmm. saw that. Yep. Yeah. And the interesting part of that is they said, well, if that person can change... Right. That Jesus changed their life so much. Yeah. What can it mean for me? Mm -hmm. That was one thing. And the other reality is because there's a known quantity, there's relatives that get involved. Yeah. And you yes. automatically like are cheating the system because your aunt, your uncle, your cousins, your grandparents, yeah. they're all showing up for church. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, you, instead of starting up with like 25 people, you're starting with 50, 75. Of course, let's be honest, 50% are probably relatively yours. Yeah. But it does work. Well, and don't sell that short. No. They're praying for this. Mm -hmm. They're yes. invested Absolutely. because your family. This is a, a, a uniqueness that happens only in rural America. So church planters in cities, in some respects, it's going to be a little harder. If you go back home, easier. That's my recruiting tool. You go home, <laughs> it's easier. All right. Well, it is. Learn, and, learn and love. We've right. talked about learn and love. Yeah. Well, there's a sense in which that person who does come back, they know a lot already. Mm -hmm. They know the history. They lived it. And they're coming back because they love it. And so many people leave and never come back because they don't love it. So you're appreciated. I've shared this with you, Steve, before. I don't know if, I, if Mike and I have talked about it. But here, here's the thing. We're talking about expectations and patience. Right. And our slogan, our training slogan is that people from our community have to be trained up in expectation. Yes. People from outside the community have to be trained into the community. They might have high expectations, but they have low patience or low threshold for the community. Yes. People might come in with, with great understanding of the community, but they have low expectations. So they think, hey, you know, 
a really, really good meal is, is Campbell's soup in a crock pot. And you're like, nope, that's, we want a higher standard. So, so at least the word I think you said there is patience. Yes. And, and, and here's, here's the thing that, that I think is really true about rural America is it takes patience. And it takes time just to, I mean, that's all the expectations game is too, is like, you need to be patient. Yes. Um, because I don't know about everything I read in the Bible, and you read, you know, Hebrews 12, all the great stories of faith. First of all, they didn't all see the results, mm-hmm. which is a, like a reality for all right. of us, yes. right? Mm-hmm. But the patience. Yes. Like, I got news for you. Paul, Moses, yes. you're on the list. Everybody's Joseph. waiting. Joseph. Oh, oh Joseph, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Everybody's waiting, and it takes patience. Yeah. And if I could, if I could just say too, just to be really honest, I've been here twenty. I've been, you know, the senior pastor for twenty years. Right around the 10, 12 year mark, and somewhere in there, leadership became very intuitive mm-hmm. to where I knew I, I had become. I have become Lamont. I don't know how that comes across, but I mean, I know them. I I am a part of them. I'm. I am no longer leading as an outsider. This is so like. The, the, I don't have to learn the history. I know the mm-hmm. history, and I immediately know what not to do mm-hmm. because I've been around a while, yeah. and, and the people know me. They trust me more, and all of a sudden, change can happen quicker, just like with a Crock-Pot, Doug. Okay, think about this. With a Crock-Pot, okay, we, we checked it at three hours. It smelled really good. We get back at 10 hours. It's a whole different game. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I can add salt. I can add pepper. I mean, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. I can... I can make things happen in that crock pot a lot faster once it's been in there for several hours. So, you know, we're talking about exponential ministry. Yes. The longer I'm in it, the more effective I become and the people around me, they can, they can ride on my coattails to some of that effectiveness. Yes. And one of the challenges I would say to young leaders, and it doesn't have to be young, you could be new. By the way, if you keep on, if you keep on getting moved from place to place to place, or you keep on saying, it's not going to happen here, I got to find another place, the problem might be you. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, if, honestly, if you don't have the patience to stay, and if you're waiting for the big break where you're going to get the main stage and you're going to be the big dog and you're not willing to give it seven years, first of all, if you have those thoughts, you're never going to make it. You're going to wash out yeah. and you'll wash out fast. Yeah. Two years, max, three years, maybe four. Yeah. If you're really diligent, four. Yeah. But I can't tell you how many people think they want to direct a crossroads farm and they come in and we say, okay, you're going to have to learn it. They don't like that. They think they've got all the great ideas, and I'm not ripping on anybody. I'm just saying, you don't know what you don't know. Well, and I think that's what takes patience. Patience and and teachability go together, Mm -hmm. right? Because in the patient waiting, Moses just didn't sit there the whole time. Neither Joshua or Joseph or or Paul or any of them. They were learning, and and like I like we believe that God does a work in us during this time. Yeah. And when God does that work in you, you're see things. And by the way, not only do you know the history, you become a part of the history. Yes, that's so true. And, yes. and, and I think that's the reality of this, is we become a part of the history of our church, of our communities and our churches to the point where you have history in the tongue yeah. and you can speak into it. And I think then things do start to pop. And you're going to go through seasons where they go up and down. I'll tell you a horrible story. And then I want to give you a different word picture. About um, here, man. But like when I first got to Lamont, yeah. literally it was called Busby's Church, which makes sense. He had, he had started the church in 1927, 
Over his life, he pastored it four times, including the last 27 years, you know, before he passed away. So then I'm passing the church off now to Andrew Homer, and I'm becoming a rural missionary. And he was actually asked, like, you're taking over Steve's church. And I'm like, no, you know, it's like, no, don't put that on Andrew. But let me give you another. When you think of expectations in time, Crock-Pot is one picture. Mm-hmm. The other picture would be that of planting and sowing in seasons. Rural ministry goes in seasons. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, like, we've had tremendous change. Lamont Western Church, in the 20 years that I was the lead pastor, there are four definite phases that I could point you to where we were four different churches in our growth. And there would be times, there would be a couple of years sometimes of winter where it didn't feel like anything was happening. And then all of a sudden, boom, everything's happening. And there's a huge harvest. And then there's winter again. And you know, you have to go with the rhythm. You know, rural people make hay when the sun shines. And if things aren't lined up exactly right, they're patient. You know, they and, and so I'm gonna like there's a whole teaching that we do about how rural people plan differently. They plan in terms of sequentially. Right. You know, this is this has to happen, and this needs to happen, and this needs to happen. And when the situation is right, we'll do it. We're not going to put a deadline on that because, as an agrarian, I don't control the weather. I don't control whether or not there's pests this year. Yeah. I don't control the price. Yep. You know, so I have to respond, and, and I have a list, but it isn't going to happen overnight. So, I, boy, this whole uh, agrarian mindset is going to be its own separate podcast here. Uh, But, you know, we mentioned Joseph. Joseph in prison for the two years that he was waiting just Mm. continued to be Joseph. Yes. And I love that. Uh, He, there was no more reward for him to be Joseph. He just kept on being Joseph. Yeah. And God in the right time moved him into the right place I, I think that we have to have a faith that God in his time will move us into the right place in his time. There's a faith statement there. So for, uh, you know, for ministries and for, for places and for seasons and all of that, we don't control the rhythms. Right. We don't control the climates. And most of the time, we're not familiar with, with what went on two years before we got to a place. And all of that feeds into when we arrived. I, I, you know, Steve talking about the churches that he was a part of, you know, the church transitions and mm-hmm. just Steve being willing to learn the church, just, just being just the church, not even the whole community, just the church and being patient enough to say, you're going to teach me something really, really matters. God is at work in us. Yeah. And it isn't always easy. You bring up Joseph in those two years. Oh. Psalms 105.18 says, yeah. they bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons. I mean, it was two years of pain. Mm-hmm. But if there was a season to it, and, and we, have to, we have to submit to that, our expectation should not be a flash in the pan. We want something more significant. Right, and I think that's it. My, my grandfather was a farmer. And he cleared the land by hand um, in, a, in, a, in a town in the world, just north of here. And he uh, spent all his time. And, and the one he taught me about, not just seasons, but when you make hay, you're appreciative of it. Mm-hmm. And you understand that that season isn't going to last. Mm-hmm. 
So every season isn't going to last. So if you're in winter, winter, and I know, and I live in a state where winter can feel like it's going to never end. But winter doesn't last. Neither will spring, neither will summer, neither will fall. But all those seasons matter. And all those seasons have benefits to them that we need. And I think when you talk about expectations, talk about patience, ask yourself today as a pastor, and I ask myself on our team all the time this, what season are we in right now? In our lives, and we're okay right now, like being in winter. It doesn't mean that some things that will happen in winter because you get a warm winter day and something good will happen. You can get a cold spring day. Things aren't like consistently that way. Yeah. But in reality, we're okay with that comfort level of the season we're in. Yeah, and, and so we have two word pictures here, and I want us to just grab hold of them because there's like two different questions. The crock pot. The question is: Is the heat at the right temperature? Right. Are things changing? Yeah. At a level that, that there's no burning going on, you know. That, I mean, that's because that's what the crock pot does. It cooks slowly. It does cook though. You can't turn it off. You know, you we're not telling you to just chill. Right. We're not telling you not to expect. So, do I have the heat on in the crock pot at the right temperature? And then the second question is, what season is this? And those are those are different pictures. But together, you begin to get a sense of where you are as a world leader and what your expectations should be. Yeah, I think uh, there are a couple uh, huge pieces to this. Number one, that 20-year plan, mission, vision, values. Yes. That's my mantra. Mm -hmm. I say it all the time. You don't know where you're going unless you've written it down, and that's, that's the bottom line. And don't confuse something put on the wall with an actual mission. That's, a mission <laughs> statement is not an actual mission. It, you, that's what drives you. The second thing is, uh, pastors, please stop quitting because it's difficult. This is the season you're there for. And I, boy, boy, that gets me gets me fired up. We're gonna move into grit next yes, next talk. I don't wanna do that, but uh, I'm, I'm, I am convinced that more happens during those seasons when nothing is happening yes. or yes. bad things are happening. Oh, That's absolutely. the undercurrent that you need yes. for God to do the big things yes. coming. So please, Pastor, if you think about expectations right now, if you're thinking about quitting because it's tough, yeah. if you're thinking about quitting, and, and we, have, we have really worked at not talking about COVID and the election and all the other things that are just, you know, we, we, you know we, we're, we're talking about rural ministry right now, but there's a lot of reasons that I might want to quit, but if I can persevere to the end, I mean, Galatians chapter right. six, right. where you know talks about let us not grow weary in doing good. Right. That that whole section there, that verse, do not grow weary in doing good, is built on the concept of sowing and reaping. Yeah. The verses before it, God cannot be mocked. Right. If you if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap from the flesh. But if you sow to the spirit, hmm. there's going to be a harvest of the spirit. So do not grow weary in doing good, Pastor. Yeah. Don't quit. Yeah. Keep sowing. Yeah. For the spirit. Yeah, man. Just having some perspective. Mm. Just perspective. Two months ago, COVID was the thing. If you're in Oregon, it's not. Yeah, it depends on where you are. If, yeah. you're, not, if you're in Mobile, Alabama, I have a daughter who just went through, you know, granted, it's only a category two, right? Only a category two. But if you're a pastor on the Gulf and that hit your church, 
you have an entirely different set of circumstances. Don't yeah. don't quit there either. Yeah, yeah. Just and keep the heat going. Now you might want to move out of the building for a little while, or yeah. you know, move out of the woods around the building in Oregon because it's not going to be there. It's yeah. tragic. Yeah. You know, these podcasts are never going to end because we're going to talk about grit. Yeah. And then, okay, so if I'm going to be there 20 years, I better have a 20-year self-care plan. I better take care of my mental health. I better, I mean, this is just a never-ending thing. I think we could sit here and talk 25 hours and not stop. Sooner or later, I'd need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I did no. say that over the... Okay, uh, yeah. And you know what? We need a fly swatter, too. We have a persistent... If you think a small church can't make a big difference... Oh, yeah. You, we need to introduce you to the fly that has been going around this room during this. That that fly has been pesky. It takes a pesky, gritty rural <laughs> pastor. I'm telling you. Yes, we're gonna we're gonna turn we're pastors. We can turn anything into a sermon illustration. <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> well, man, on behalf of the guys, uh, thanks again for being here and giving us your time. It's not something we take for granted. We appreciate uh, your investment. We hope that this is uh, a blessing to you, maybe an encouragement to you. Maybe, if nothing else, you can laugh at us and laugh with us. And, uh, <laughs> yes. Think, man, if those guys can do it, anybody <laughs> can. Like we have rope pastors across the country starting podcasts. We need one that's right for crying <laughs> God bless you. We'll see you sometime in the near future, hopefully. In the meantime, tune in next time. Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee, supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at ThinkOrange.com, wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at CrossroadsFarm.org, Vineyard Small Town USA. Vineyard Small Town USA, equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. Disciples of Jesus, making disciples. MultiplyVineyard.org slash Small Town USA. Crossroads Farm, working alongside of rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, loving the rural team. www.CrossroadsFarm.org Dirt Roads Network. Transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities. www.dirtroadsnetwork.com For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the Riders, I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails. Happy trails.